the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you for joining me tonight. I'm here with, with Kathy Lux. We're at the studios of WHK here in Cleveland. Hello, everybody. Hello, Kathy. Thank you for being here. Oh, happy always. to. Wonderful, wonderful weekend up here, uh, even though it's a little wet. A, a little rainy, yes. My but goodness. what a wonderful time at the air show yesterday. The Cleveland National Air Show. Well, how neat that was. Yes. And the weather was perfect. I, I know that normally for air shows, when the weather's not optimal, they have what they call a low show, where the uh, performers come out and they fly the planes at a lower altitude. How could they be any lower? They were low. <laughs> you have to go to the air show and see it. I it's really quite so. a remarkable show. <laughs> it really was. But uh, you know, this is the last breath of summer and uh, the early phases of autumn. And it came so fast. It came so fast, and as it does every year at this time of the mm-hmm. year, we start thinking about only one thing. Do you know what it is? No, so I know you, what you, I I you, think of. Well, this is Yankee my birthday. Peddler. My my birthday <laughs> is in September, but. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, we think of the Yankee peddlers, what I think of. Right. And with that, we have uh, Frank with us, Frank Scheika. Frank, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me with you people today. Hi, Frank. Hi, Kathy. It's a pleasure to meet you. Good to meet you, too. Now, now Frank, we've been doing this with you on our show for how many years? Do you have any recollection? I I really can't count the d- number of times I've been on, but it's uh, it's been a, yeah, it's been more than one hand, that's for sure. <laughs> No, but the Yankee Peddler has been so interesting, and I'm sure that people listening, some of them have never heard of it uh, yet, and they're going to hear about it right now. And uh, it's a festival going on down in the Canal Fulton area, I believe, at Clay's Park. And uh, with that, as, as we have done every year, Frank has been so generous as to offer free tickets, and we have some packages, some four-packs for families, if you want to uh, win these tickets, give us a call here at WHK tonight. And the telephone number is 216-9010945 or 1-888-281-1110. So do give us a call if you want some tickets. Yes, Sue will take your call over there, and uh, those tickets will be mailed out to you. The uh, The festival goes on, I think, three weekends in September. And, Frank, mm-hmm. what weekends are those? The beginning next weekend, the 10th and 11th, and then the following two weekends, 17th and 18th, and 24th and 25th. Now, now tell all the people who haven't really heard anything about the Yankee Peddler, what is it? The Yankee Peddler is a festival of rather major proportions. We're the largest outdoor um, arts and crafts show in the state of Ohio, but it begins with arts and crafts. It doesn't end there. Um, and I think you're familiar. You've been down there. We have uh, entertainment that is all day of many different forms and shapes. We have uh, musical groups 
scheduled. We have individual, um, really accomplished uh, musicians that play play on the grounds. We have theatrical productions, uh, and this year in the form of a medicine show. We have puppet shows for the children, and those actually are for adults as well. Um, and we have a great deal of fantastic outdoor food outdoor fair, if you will, um, with uh, food made over the open fire. So as you walk in the grounds, and the theme, of course, is uh, is Yankee Peddler goes back to the time of the frontier, the Ohio frontier. And so the theme is 1776 to 1825. There's no electricity, no lights, no buzzing, no uh, no honking, and any kinds of, of artificial sounds. As you walk into the grounds, you can walk almost into a masterpiece from that period of time where people are selling and making their products, where the music is acoustic by and large, and uh, where the food is, oh, a lot of the food is exactly from that period. with a little bit of, you know, touch here or there of, of some modern spice or something like that. But uh, basically, it's, 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 it's an opportunity to step back in time 200 years. And then there's a little pocket in there where we have the Yankee Pillar Today show, which is more contemporary uh, for those people who can't give up their Coca-Colas and can't give up uh, some of the or would like to see how modern laser produced art is is made, etc. So we have a little taste for everyone, but it's a it's a it's a major event, and you can spend all day just listening and watching entertainment. You can do that, spend all day just eating, and of course, then there's all the art and, and human creativity that goes on on the grounds all the way. And finally, we have a lot of uh, demonstrators. We have mountain men. We have a uh, Civil War encampment. We have a Native American encampment. Um, we have people that spin and weave yarn. Uh, we have a number of other people who um, who simply are there to to demonstrate their art. We have on the second weekend, Children's Weekend, we have a 3D artist artist who will be drawing chalk art on one of the on one of the roads down there. Oh, that, um, stop so right! People, th- stop right there for a moment. And tell us about that because you and I talked about this earlier. This is a yeah. phenomenal talent. Uh, if you've ever seen these 3D chalk uh, pictures that people will put on sidewalks and things, looking like a, a shark is jumping out at you or something, is that exactly? The, yeah, yes, exactly. Tell us about and, this. And they're large. Yeah, Jeff Pinlikan is coming into town from Indiana. He uh, is a noted chalk artist uh, across the country, and he goes for different shows across the country. He does like a, a 15 by 20 foot. Uh, image and he has a place where you'll be able to stand and you'll be able to see into it into depth so you'll feel like you're exactly uh, you know a shark fall I don't really know what he's going to be making while he's there but he but it would be something like a shark jumping out at you or a, a catch a I saw one a catch a Heinz ketchup bottle that was uh, dropping or pouring out ketchup and it looked just like it was you know out there this huge bottle of ketchup was pouring out and it's all on flat on the ground it's just really rather amazing they use uh, really trick, uh, your eyes. yes it is and we'll be able to be, watch him the whole he's going to be working all two days there so he'll be able to the people who visit that's on the seven, um, the 17th and 18th i'll be able to mm-hmm. watch him the entire day as he does his work and and so frank so uh, on each weekend are there different exhibits or is it the same each weekend 
As far as the arts and crafts people go, um, it's almost 100% the same from week okay. to week. And okay. that's intentional on our part because Good. some people go on the first weekend and then they hear about someone or they want to go on the second weekend and they don't want to miss anyone. So, and so basically we ask for that commitment from uh, our artists and crafters. That's that's great. And and so, and you know, so that, and I actually, I'm, I'm kind of new to this actually and, I, and excited about it. Um, but so inform me and everyone listening so the crafters that come the artists that come what other types of art what other types of crafts will we be able well, to see I can, yeah i could run down a list here i'm looking at a list in front of me and Great. it's going to be a very lengthy one i have to tell you okay. um it, it starts out with uh we we in one of our first booths um down in muskrat cove our we have our the grounds in Glazer are divided into small areas um, with rather cute names, um, Possum Run, Muskrat Cove, etc. So in the Muskrat Cove, for instance, which is the center of our ground, um, there's a vintage paper uh, lady who takes uh, pages from books and makes them into art, makes them into 3D flowers, and um, makes them into all kinds of, of clever 3D, 3D objects out of, out of the papers from books. Uh, next to her, Vicki Rubel is an excellent painter. Um, then we have uh, goat milk products, uh, a goat milk farm uh, pr- producing. We have artists that do 3D painting, uh, not on, on the ground, but on, on you know, canvases. And we have artists who paint rocks and stones. We have artists who paint, um, um, you know, all kinds of different wooden plaques and signs. I'm just, you know, going down here. We have many, many different ceramics people because ceramics, ceramic is a marvelous media, plastic mm-hmm. media for, for artists. And we it have is. several of those. Um, we have a, uh, st- we have stained glass, leather, candles, several different candle makers. Um, we have, uh, bees, bees and bee products, many different kinds of jewelry. Um, we even have a lady who makes fantastic little figurines out of bread dough. Um, we have people who work with wool, spin wool and, uh, and, and felt wool. Uh, people who paint slate. We have people make treasure boxes. We have a number of different woodworkers on the ground. So we go everything from furniture all the way down to small treasure boxes that can go on someone's dresser. Uh, blacksmiths and metal workers. Well, Frank, we're about, uh, we're about to take a break. Hold on to that list. Uh, okay, it, sure. We want to talk more about the Yankee Peddler, and we want you to come out there if you haven't been there, and we want you to have some free tickets. Right now, call us here at WHK at 216 901 0945 or the 800 number, Kathy? Which is 1-888-281-1110. Give us a call for free tickets. And then we'll see you down at the Yankee Peddler. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips with Kathy Lux here tonight on The Advocate with uh, WHK. We'll be back after these words, so don't go away. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Leland. Nick Phillips with you for another segment of The Advocate. I'm here with Kathy Lux. And, Hi, everybody. And uh, we have Sue over here uh, taking calls for people who want to go to the Yankee Peddler. You can call us here at WHK tonight at the studio live at 216 901 
four or five. And once again, where is the Yankee peddler being held? Frank, where is the Yankee peddler? We're just outside of Canal Fulton, Ohio, which is down off of Ohio State Route 21, below Akron, heading into Canton. Um, and we're just a couple miles off of that road on Route 93. So it's a very quick ride from the Cleveland area. It's about 35 to 45 minutes down. And there's plenty of uh, free parking, and uh, and it's a very accessible um, area. And it's a very lovely area. Oh, it is very lovely. Beautiful ground. And, and, and Frank, are tickets available at the door, or do they have to be purchased ahead? Online? No, we have... You know, we have tickets available online and also at, through our website, yankeepeddlerfestival.com. But also tickets are available at the door. The tickets online are a little bit um, a better price because basically you're, we're, we're making it convenient for people so they don't have to stand in line and they could come down and just uh, walk through the gates. Um, but we do sell tickets at the gate as well. And, and so, Frank, I'm wondering, like, is this a family type affair? You bring the kids, yes. or is this more adults? It's for everyone. Um, we have so many different events. We, we, for instance, we have a children's weekend, which is our second weekend, and that's uh, there's a lot of activities dedicated to children. We have several people who will be part of a scavenger hunt, and uh, and the, and when the children go and get their stamp and get their little book stamped, um, they get a little bit of a lesson and demonstration about uh, what the craft or the artist is doing, mm-hmm. um, or the mountain man, or or perhaps the alpaca lady. Um, they get they have an opportunity to meet a lot of different people and get a lot of interesting. Um, information. Uh, so we have the scavenger, but we have for entertainment, there's, as I said, we have puppets that are really for adults and children alike, uh, marionette shows. We have a petting zoo. Um, and uh, there's just a lot of activities, particularly educational activities for younger, uh, not for infants as much, but when we're talking about children who are in school, there's a lot of activities, the mountain men, the Civil War encampment, the Native American encampment. All of these activities are geared to providing information and education um, to the people who attend. So there's a great deal for children, but then again, um, there's a lot, you know, arts and crafts tend to be, at least if people are interested in purchasing them, tend to be something that's for older people than children, obviously, for adults. Uh, there is beer and wine tasting on the grounds, uh, which also is, is adult. So that, there's a real blend and an opportunity um, to have all kinds of, uh, and food likewise. Food well, well one, thing, one thing I so, can't figure out, Frank, looking at the literature for the Yankee Peddler, is that this year you're featuring the plate scrapers. Now, yes. I, I would do that when I help my wife out on a Thanksgiving day when we're done with a whole lot of dishes. Uh, but I don't, I don't think that would be very exciting to watch. Uh, do these plate scrapers do something different? Or what? They are an amazing, uh, amazing old-time music group, and they play mostly on the, on the East Coast. How old? Um, <laughs> you say old, well, old time. <laughs> no, I'm talking about it's all, it's all kind of a pre, let's say pre-country music. Um, it's more like bluegrass, oh. um, okay. and the, they're very authentic. They have a mandolin player, they have guitar, they have bass. They um, they they are five gentlemen who have are, are really quite professional. They've been featured on NPR and on, and mm. other major national um, media. And we're kind of lucky to get them to come this this far over into Ohio because they generally play on the East Coast. Um, but they're a marvelous band. I love them. And if you uh, you know if you Google them or you uh, 
do Amazon Music with them. You could pull up several of their albums, which they've published. They're very, very good, accomplished musicians. And, and, and so, Frank, and so, you know, I'm hoping for no judgment here, but I'm dying to know, what are the mountain men? <laughs> <laughs> well, the mountain men, we don't have a whole lot of mountains in Ohio, okay? But the men who worked on the, on the came to the frontier before, before let's say, the, the sedentary... Um, farmers who came were mm-hmm. really people that lived and, and had relationships uh, with the Native Americans, and they were buckskinners, and they were people who who uh, lived like the Native Americans. And uh, the uh, Yankee wow. Pillar Mountain Men are really not mountain men per se. Maybe they're hill men or something like that. Okay. But they they have camps like they would have used and lived during the time that they were uh, making contact with Native Americans, and at the time that they um, were. Uh, hunting beaver and all kinds of skins to ship back to the to the old world mm-hmm. so uh they're they are very authentic gentlemen who they've they've been with us for we're 49 years they've been with us 49 wow. years um and they um are, are a group that's very very active and demonstrating the way that people used to live in those as, as people that were populating the frontier for the first the first time frank, frank when did the yankee peddler first start here in ohio well, we're in our 49th year, and it would have been our 50th had it not been the pandemic. So we go back really to 1972. And uh, and uh, at that time, I think they had about 1,500 people come. It was uh, the first first show. But it very quickly grew mm-hmm. into a very large show um, as, as um, you know, as we experienced through the years. And here we are 49 years later. It's amazing. Well, we've been coming down to the Yankee Peddler and having you on the show for a number of years. And for me, it's sort of a, a right of the seasons. Uh, summer is ending, fall is beginning. And uh, the the Clays Park area is interesting. You have a number of acres, it seems like there's, what, 20, 30 acres or something that you have. Well, we actually extend over 75 acres. Um, after the pandemic, we actually probably withdrew. We, we, we are probably a little bit smaller than that, or maybe 50 or 55 acres um, of land. But we spread it out, and it's, and, and this, if, well, you've been down there, and you understand that these areas that we have, the Glen, the Liberty Village, et cetera, they all are very nicely uh, bordered by woods, and, and they all sort of natural natural spots, natural valleys, natural glades. And, uh, and so, yeah, you don't feel like you're on 75 acres, but it's quite a, it's, it's good to come with good walking shoes. That's that, for sure. that sounds wonderful, Frank. And so I'm wondering, so is this the type of thing where people should bring, you know, their, cha- their, their ch- chairs, blankets, or is there seating provided in places or what, what, what should people expect in terms of what to bring? Basically, you need a good pair of walking shoes. If you're bringing children and they're very small, a wagon helps or a jogging stroller, perhaps. Um, but you, we have lots of seating on the ground. So we have picnic tables everywhere. And you don't just have to be eating food to be at using our picnic tables. And we have lots of benches all over near the entertainment. It, basically, it works out that if you want to rest, there's an entertainment venue right there that you can sit at and and just rest and listen to the entertainment for as long as you wish. So we don't so, need, uh, we don't need to bring seating. It's no, it's not provi- at all. oh that's wonderful. Well, very good. And and my last words about the Yankee Peddler, why I like it, it's really a festival for the senses. Uh, it, when you go back into the yeah. 1700s, you you don't have a lot of uh, noise blaring around. Mm-hmm. So when you're walking around the 75 acres, it's quiet. You just hear people rustling around. 
Yes. Uh, you hear old time music off in the distance in the woods. Uh, you smell the cooking fires that are mm. cooking all the food. And it's uh, just sort of an amazing sensory thing that it's early autumn and this is what happens here in Ohio. So you know, just to get away and just to breathe for a while and enjoy some quietude is a good thing to do. I love the sound. And I, I will admit I've not been, but I will be. Oh, my goodness. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> and la- last chance uh, before we end this segment to call in here at uh, 216-901-0945. And uh, come on out to the Yankee Peddler. And even if you don't get tickets here, get out there and see it. And uh, you just have a relaxing, peaceful time to walk around and enjoy and think about what it might have been like uh, couple hundred years ago yes and there's three weekends to choose from which is wonderful and you're having civil war reenactors out there i have a note yes that's part of the more contemporary section and they actually fire their cannons they're an artillery and um they fire their cannons three times a day um we can't be you know that does break up a little bit of the peace and quiet but uh, they are timed at 10 30 at noon Three o'clock, excuse me, four times, and, and at time of closing. So, but um, but they they are amazing. they don't use full charges because I think that would be really very um, very loud. But they they do fire their cannons so people can see how, in fact, uh, an artillery from the Civil War period and and pre Civil War actually operated. You're gonna have somebody with a bean soup. Is that sort of an old tradition? <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, we've lost it for a couple of years because the, the original group, um, after all of the years that they were with us, um, um, was not, was unable to continue. But we have a new, uh, new um, couple of young ladies who have a business that that made their soup is their their specialty, and they are going to be going back to the old recipe of the bean soup, and and it'll be here for everyone once again. A lot of people have been. Hoping to see that come of, uh, come to fruition, and indeed it is this year. We're glad to have it back. Well, it's the last really nice summer event. I think the weather is still great, and the food is all over mm, the place. Sounds yummy. You don't have Bean to walk. Soup. Don't have to walk around not eating. <laughs> There's no excuse for that. So <laughs> that would be and great. For instance, the apple fritters don't miss the apple fritters. Oh, Those are oh apples my. that are that are cut and then and then battered and deep fried. They're original apple fritters, not these with a lot of dough on And them. there's much, much more. That's anyway, well, oh, Frank, yeah. Frank, thank you so very much. Uh, thanks for sharing the tickets, and thanks for telling us about the Yankee Peddler, and we'll see you out there. And thank you for having me on this evening. As always. Can't, gonna, can't wait to see you, Frank, out there. We'll be out there. Great. Please ask for me at the main inquiries booth. I absolutely sure will. will. Well, uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips on The Advocate here on WHK. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another two segments of The Advocate. And in these last two segments for our show tonight, we're going to be talking to Cuyahoga County Councilperson Nan Baker, who comes back with us about once a month to tell us what's going on here in our county government. Nan, as always, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Always good to be back and talk about what we're doing uh, on county council. Well, certainly. Well, the, the first thing I want to talk about is that we're getting near election time and you're running for re-election. And in doing that, I'm sure you're out knocking doors and going door-to-door, hearing what is going on out there in Cuyahoga County um, how's that been going for you so far? Uh, actually, it's uh, always an eye-opener. I mean, I'm I'm known for going door-to-door. It's uh, 
just something that I, I actually like to do. I like to hear what people have to say. I mean, you can take polls, and not everybody goes to a baseball game or a parade, but uh, mm-hmm. people work every day, and and they take care of their families, and they vote. But they're not always plugged into uh, giving us the feedback sometimes of what we're looking for. So it's always fascinating to be on a doorstep and talk to someone that has a lot to say but is sometimes hard to reach. Any surprises out there from what you're finding out? Yeah, I'd say that, you know, we've been on break for county council, so I've been using this time, especially in August, to just do that, to get out there and meet the people. And, um, yeah, I would say that, you know, I'm I'm just observing going door-to-door differently from what I've done in the past. I do see a lot of uh, different types of protection. You know, we talk about uh, guns and protecting themselves and first amendment and all of that. But what we're seeing also is a little more subtle. It is more of the ring doorbells. People want to know who's at their door before they answer it. They want to be able to talk through their doorbell, through the ring, to uh, Mm -hmm. carry on a conversation. It is uh, is different. Yeah, it is very different. And then we also notice there's a lot of dogs. I mean, I notice always that there's dogs at people's homes. They're a wonderful pet. But we're noticing bigger dogs and multiple dogs in yards and in the homes. Um, And I think that's also a subtle way of protecting a home um, that makes people feel like they're safer Um, and probably are. Do you you sense that there's a general increase in fear that people have? I do. I think with the COVID that we all went through for the past two years and that fear that everyone felt of even leaving their homes, to now perhaps the the crime rate that they see uh, increasing, even though perhaps in their community they're not as close to it. I do believe that there is a sense of of a new fear of of wanting to make sure that where they live and where their family is, uh, is protected to the best of their ability without going overboard uh, in that fear. Uh, A ring is easy to install. Getting a pet is easy to to uh, to have, and I think those are just, like I said, subtle measures of what people are doing out there that is very different from what I remember going door-to-door uh, in my last time. Well, you know, the uh, political landscape has changed so much over the last years, and uh, just recently I've, I've been hearing that either the left or the right, they're they're both accusing the other of attacking democracy and that democracy is in jeopardy. Um, when, when you're actually going door to door and talking to normal people and you, you know, they have doorbells and they have, um, you know, the video cameras and so forth. Uh, right. Do they sense or do they echo this, uh, the sphere of democracy weakening or do they have a distrust in government? Do you get any feedback that, People don't like government anymore, or what are you finding out? Or is well, that all trumped up, say, maybe, so to speak? Right. <laughs> I, you know, for the most part, which is also a changing landscape, is that the majority of people now are independent. I mean, there certainly are Republicans and Democrats doors that you knock on, but the majority of people right now list themselves as independent. So that in itself is a change from the last time that I've been out there. And they, for the most part, I think, talk more about their own local issues. They 
the inflation of what things cost, the worry of their kids finding a good-paying job, the gas prices going up, um, things that actually hit their pocketbook, I think are more of what we hear. Uh, not so much about the losing of democracy or... Um, and, and another, you know, which is not unusual, we hear a lot about Washington, too. It's not so much about county issues, what's going on in the county. It's more about what they see on TV and what they're hearing is, uh, you know, all the bickering back and forth of, of different issues that, that make their heightened um, fear more aware of, of their surroundings. But um, for the most part, I would say the first things that come up when we ask, what can we do to help you or what can we do to bring back to the county, they would, uh, for the most part, get back to the inflation, get back to the gas prices, get back to the uh, the worry of, of their education and their kids and what's going on with all that. I, I love my school here in my community, but I'm concerned about new issues that are coming up that I never had to deal with before. Um, not to mention all the COVID that is still kind of out yes. there and worried. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a I was lot going to ask about anxiety. that. Mm-hmm. We've been talking for, about COVID for two and a half years. And exactly. uh, how is that playing out there? Are, is that behind us? Is it behind most people or are they still very concerned? I would say the majority of people that were knocking on the door, it does not come up where that would have been different a year ago. It, uh, it is, I think people are ready to put it behind mm-hmm. them. I think they've learned to live with it. Uh, what's with us now that people are still getting, um, it is a, a milder case. Four or five days, they're over it, and they go on with their life. They quarantine for, for the five days, test themselves again, and they're, they're good to go. So I don't, that type of fear that was very, very out there a year ago um, certainly is not at the front of the mind of people anymore. It is more the day-to-day worrying about what things cost and um, how they're, is this going to end? Where is this leading? Are we going into a recession? Um, businesses they see that are closing. Lots of, um, lots of concerns there. So we went from one set of fears to another, and uh, it, is, uh, it is concerning. And this is coming from, like I said, the moderate, independent voters who don't always know what, you know, what all the issues are. Um, and they, they too, are, are showing signs of uh, concern, and they're glad that I'm on the doorstep. They like it that I'm there and talking to them. That seems to bring some level uh-huh. of uh, comfort. So, uh, we're, so I'm glad to be able to do that. Do, do they seem to be uh, you know, pleased with how things are going other than the uh, economy? Because that seems to be what, what they're concerned with most, the economy and the, the future of the economy. Right. Um, you know, we talked to some that feel that um, you know, there, there may be a sense of lawlessness that, uh, again, with protecting of their home, they, they, there is some level of that. They see that. Even in their own community, they hear of carjacking and thefts and, and home thefts. And um, that, I think, raises some, some anxiety. Um, there are those that we talk to sometimes that say, I really don't have any concerns. 
They because we oh, can we bring back? Good. Yeah, and some say no. I'm, I, you know, I'm pretty good. I, we, I think that everything is okay. I concerned about some things, but not enough to, um, you know, have you take back with you. So we do hear that too. So there's, uh, there is a mix, but I would say for the most part, um, people are just concerned about their everyday life, and that that doesn't change. That they liked where they were and they want to continue to uh, be able to buy a house or buy a car or buy a large appliance or add on to their house. And all these things right now are, are put on hold. Well, well, that's good. It sounds like you know, people at least are somewhat calm about it. And uh, dealing with the economy is something I think that we always, always deal with. And uh, just with what's going on now that maybe different, but maybe not so terribly different than it has been in the past. The, uh, well, we're going to be taking a short break here in a moment. Uh, with that, I'd like to come back and talk about what have you heard about law enforcement? I know that's been a controversial issue. Uh, people generally okay with our law enforcement, or do they want to step it up or tone it back a bit? That's always an issue, okay. I think. But anyway, we're talking to Cuyahoga County Council Person Nan Baker giving us an update here on what's going on in Cuyahoga County. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words, so don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. We're talking to Nan Baker from the Cuyahoga County Council, updating us on what's going on out here in Cuyahoga County and what she's finding out as she's going through an election campaign cycle right now. So, Nan, again, as always, thank you for joining us. Of course. It's always good to be with you. You know, Nan, uh, when you're going door-to-door and you're talking to people about current issues, a question that comes to my mind how are people responding to questions about law enforcement? Are, are they happy you know, with it? Do they want more? Do they want less? What, what's your experience? Well, you know, it's interesting because I am walking door to door with Michael Lamb, who is a state representative candidate in the same West Shore district that I am. We share three of the five cities. So uh, we walk together and we talk to all the neighbors that are on the doorstep. And as soon as uh, Mike mentions that he's a 25-year retired police officer, right away the questions uh, tend to gravitate toward him. And the first thing everyone says is, thank you for your service. I mean, it's always uh, a welcomed um, presence. So, And then they want to always, the next question is, where did you serve? And so he explains that he served in Cleveland and retired in Shaker Heights. And and they just have a calmness, I think, when they start talking to him. And it is a um, an interesting dialogue back and forth as to the level of um, of concern of of crime. And you know, are you glad that you're not a police officer anymore? Or is uh, you know how how was your service? How did you feel about being a police officer? All those kind of questions that uh, he feels when we're out there. And what's Rather amazing is that it's usually the same questions. You don't get a variety of different topics. It's always the same. Thank you for your service. Where did you serve? Did you enjoy what you did? Would you go back if you had the opportunity to go back? What do you think about the current 
environment with our police officers. Um, it's, uh, it's an interesting dialogue back and forth. And so it's, I'm glad that I'm able to walk door to door with Mike because he does bring um, that knowledge to the door and actually a calming knowledge that reassures people that police officers are there to protect you. And it was a good experience for him. And uh, he enjoyed his days on the police force. Well, it's interesting that you're going out with Mike and talking about the State House of Representatives because you served uh, yes. terms on the state legislature. Uh, what are the issues of the state legislature that you do or do not have over at the county level? Does that overlap somehow? Well, we have, you know, of course, our, our sheriff that um, the county is responsible for, but the police department is the responsibility of the city of Cleveland. So we don't really engage uh, or um, have the responsibility the same as the city of Cleveland does. Um, at the Ohio House, they they legislate, and of course, um, they are also involved in in the regulation and management of weapons. So that's you know a, a completely different level uh, at the Ohio House. Uh, so it's it's different perspectives of what we do on a city level, because I also served on city council versus the state level and the laws and regulations that they are um, involved and responsible for, and then also uh, on the county level, dealing with the sheriff and the jail and, and all that's involved in that. So, yeah, a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of different levels there of, of, an, of law enforcement that um, I've been exposed to and still am in, uh, in trying to keep people safe. Have you actually run into anyone who is hostile toward law enforcement? Uh, you know, we have not. I can't think of one. No. Um, we are That's talking good to, hear. to Yeah, I'm talking to independent voters. Um, so I, I can't really say that anyone has said we don't uh, honor our police. Uh, most want more police. They don't want less. Um, so, no, I, I, I uh, honestly can't say that I have it anyone be rude or, um, or disappointed or, or any of that towards mm. our, our police officers, at least in the cities that I represent. Well, that's a, a good pulse of what the public is thinking, so that's good to hear. But, you know, talking yes. about law enforcement and talking about jails, sort of switching back to what the county government's doing, anything new about the jail facility and, and that concept? Well, we, like I said earlier, we were on break in August, so um, that doesn't mean there's not a lot of back and forth during that time of uh, different studies and discussions and um, different aspects of what it is that we're going to be voting on when we get back. We'll be back on the 13th of September for our first county council meeting, and front and center will be the discussion of the jail and the proposed site, um, 2700 Transport Road, where they're looking um, to, to locate. There is some controversy of the land being contaminated. Um, recently, they have found that it also contains methane gas, which also can be contained. But I'm getting a little uh, more concerned than I had in the past. It just seems like there's a lot of obstacles there that we need to deal with, and I've got to be absolutely sure that this is the right piece of property before I, I support it. 
Also, the courts, the justice center has become more front and center. Uh, they're oh. now, um, yes, they uh, have a, they, the judges wanted a study to absolutely um, give the uh, confidence that the existing jails and courts cannot be renovated. Now, we got past that months ago, but there's a couple of new judges on this uh, steering committee that wanted, again, to go back to the 2014 study that said that this was a jail that uh, is deteriorating and needs and does not meet government guidelines any longer and cannot be renovated, uh, and a new jail was proposed. So that is coming back to us next week also, mm-hmm. or in September also. Does the court renovation depend upon the jail? Is that tied in together? Or, uh, I mean, as a lawyer going back and forth to the Justice Center for courtrooms, the courtrooms right. still seem functional. What, what seems to be the problem with the court, other than well, the jail and availability yeah, the, of prisoners? Right. The jail is, is really front and center because it does not meet the guidelines any longer about the size of the cells, the lighting, the accessibility, the tower with the um, elevators. There's a lot going on right there. I think for the most part, besides the renovation of the court, ADA has to be um, considered, which it is not right now. Um, The size of the courtrooms um, seem to be larger than they need to be. That's been looked at and Perhaps there's some sharing of courtrooms that can be done. Um, it's it's not in the same category as the jail, but the building, the justice center itself, is not structurally sound. And so, if the jail moves and all that's left is the court, uh, it does create um, some issues with can we renovate just the courts, let them stay there with everything else gone. Um, it's yeah, it's it's, it's uh, an issue we have to resolve. And whether we move the court to stay downtown and have the jail off-site, maybe five to ten miles outside of Cleveland, uh, is the question that we're all dealing with. Well, I'm thinking uh, just from the day-to-day operation with uh, hundreds of criminals and all the judges we have and all the criminal actions going on, <clears throat> transporting uh, criminals from jail to court uh, could be a major undertaking. So if we're talking about moving the jail 10 miles away from where it is now, is that where the courts will be? Or you know, Many years ago here in Cleveland, the court system was structured in that uh, you had the civil courts downtown on Ontario and Lakeside, and the criminal yeah. courts were out on Payne Avenue. And are they thinking about separating the civil and criminal courts again? You know, that, that conversation has not taken place as to separating both those courts. I think the, um, the issue now is whether or not the tower itself is something that can be renovated and saved. That's probably front and center right now. And if not, and they want to keep the jail uh, in Cleveland, that's a priority for our council president. Uh, where, what do we do then with the courts? And the, they, the judges, from what we hear on the steering committee, would like to stay downtown. They don't want to move outside of downtown. So it's um, it's a matter of uh, what is best, as you say, transporting 
how the inmates back and forth. I, I can see that. Yeah. Well, there all those issues will be coming up. Yeah, yes. We're out of time, Nan, but we'll uh, save okay. this for next time. We'll, we'll get back and we'll talk about uh, what's happening with the courts as we get into October. So, Nan Baker, That's thank you so much for talking to us. You're welcome. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a good, healthy, and safe week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning And only my mind for company Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.